Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. I'm back and refreshed after a few weeks off, and we've got a ton of stuff to go over, so how about we get right into it? I'll start things off with some old news, but probably the most significant news to come out of Raiderland as guards Richie Incognito and Denzel Good retired. Incognito wasn't much of a surprise as he was unsigned this offseason until inking a one-day contract to retire as a Raider. He released and read a long letter to announce his retirement, and in it he brought up his quote-unquote bad boy reputation and how it just fit with the silver and black, and he went on to thank the Raiders for the opportunity. Incognito wraps up a 15-year career where he was a four-time Pro Bowler, playing for the St. Louis Rams, Buffalo Bills, and Miami Dolphins in addition to the Raiders. In a much more surprising announcement, Good decided to hang him up shortly after training camp started. Thank you guys for all the support, he tweeted out about his retirement. It means a lot to see the love from y'all. This was one of the most difficult decisions in my life to make, and I made it wholeheartedly. I need this time to focus on things football unfortunately won't allow me to do. I still love this game and feel like I have plenty left in me, but I just have to shift my time and focus on my family for the time being. Thank you to the Raiders organization, my brothers, and the coaching staff for the support and understanding. The guard's message does seem like he's leaving the door open to return to the game, but for now, he wraps up a seven-year career after suiting up for the Colts and the Raiders. In case you forgot, Good tore an ACL in week one of last season, but was expected to be a starter for 2022, leaving John Simpson, Lester Cotton, and Dylan Parnum to duke it out for the team's two first-string guard spots. Some injury news. The Raiders lost a couple of their free agent signings from the offseason early on in training camp with edge rusher Kyler Frackerel and linebacker Micah Kaiser going on injured reserve. Both guys had experience playing for defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and both were expected to play backup roles. Fackerel was going to be an option as the team's third down edge rusher, a role in which Malcolm Kuntz will now likely fill, and Kaiser was likely going to be the team's fourth linebacker, leaving Kenny Young and undrafted free agent Darian Butler as the top competitors for that spot. In corresponding moves, the Raiders signed running back Andrew Walter, a four-year vet from Rice who has spent time with the Giants, 49ers, Jets, and in the XFL, and linebacker Curtis Bolton, also a four-year vet who has played with the Packers, Texans, 49ers, and Lions. Unrelated but on a similar topic, the Raiders released wide receiver Jordan Vise and signed Chris Lacey, another wideout. Lacey was an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State back in 2018 and spent time with the Patriots, Lions, Cowboys, and Bears. Before the Hall of Fame game, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels shared some insights into his strategy for the preseason, specifically on how or how much he'll use his starters. None of us have coached or played in a game in a long time, McDaniels said, and so this is not something where you just jump back on and it's easy to t- and it's easy and it takes five minutes to get reacclimated to calling plays or getting in the huddle or playing third down defense against real time real speed opponents. There's a lot to be gained for us. Like I said, each guy is going to get ready and ready to play, and we're trying to do it the right way based on what we feel like we need to get done for each preseason game. While hindsight certainly helps, this quote should have given people a heads up that Josh Jacobs was going to get a handful of reps in Canton. A lot of people speculated that Jacobs' workload in the Hall of Fame game was to showcase him as a trade piece, 
However, PFF's Nathan Janke tweeted that Damian Harris and James White also got a significant amount of run in the Patriots' first preseason game last season, and Ian Rappaport later shot down any Jacobs trade rumors by saying that the club isn't looking to deal him. In other McDaniels play-calling news, on the first drive of a game last Thursday, he dialed up a deep shot to Tyron Johnson that the coach later revealed was a tip of the cap to Cliff Branch and Al Davis. That was a staple. Cliff was a fast guy, obviously made a bunch of big plays in his career, big important plays in big important games, and that's why he's going into the Hall of Fame, said McDaniels. I know Mr. Davis, both Mr. Davises, are big fans of the long ball. So yes, that was an ode to the Raiders, Cliff Branch, and the way that Mr. Davis, both of them, enjoy that type of play. The pass did fall short of Johnson, the intended target, as the ball was wet from the weather delay and Brandon Parker let up some pressure to Javon Walker, but the pass was completed to Keelan Cole for a 31-yard game, the longest play of the night. Speaking of Branch in the Hall of Fame, he and Richard Seymour added two more Raider bronze busts to the museum in Canton last weekend. Branch passed away in 2019, so his sister, Elaine Anderson, and Mark Davis got to speak on his behalf and reveal his bust. Anderson delivered a beautiful quote that number 21 is seated front and center with Al Davis and John Madden. As for Seymour, he spent most of his playing days in New England, so naturally, a lot of his speech had to do with the Patriots, but he did speak highly of the Raiders organization and reminded us all of the great Raider motto, once a Raider, always a Raider. While we're on the topic of the Hall of Fame, I wanted to give you guys an update on a story I went over a little while back. The Hall announced the finalists for its senior and coach slash contributor committees, and unfortunately, the two Raider nominees, Amy Trask and Lester Hayes, did not make the cut. Instead, Art Medell, Ron Arledge, Don Croyle, Mike Holmgren, Frank Buck O'Kilroy, Robert Kraft, Buddy Parker, Dan Reeves, Art Rooney Jr., Mike Shanahan, Clark Shaughnessy, and John Wooten will be moving on, and Trask and Hayes will have to wait at least another year. In line with our Hall of Fame theme here, the ratings for the Raiders' first preseason game are in against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and 5.7 million people turned in to watch a game that didn't count, and players like Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and Trevor Lawrence didn't even take a snap. For reference, the 2022 Stanley Cup averaged 4.6 million viewers, and Game 3 of the 2020 NBA Finals had 5.94 million further proving that the NFL and football is king. There was a death in the Raider family as former guard Wayne Hawkins passed away late last month. Hawkins spent 10 seasons with the Silver and Black and played in 136 games from 1960 to 1970, making the AFL All-Star team five years in a row from 63 to 67. On behalf of the Silver and Black Pride and Raider Nation, I'd like to send our condolences to the Hawkins family. I'll wrap up our news stories for the week with a few quick notes. Legendary Raiders and 49ers wide receiver Jerry Rice got to let current Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams know that he'll be joining the Madden 99 club for the third year in a row. The full video is up on social media, and all of the game's player ratings can be found on their website. The organization's new president, Sandra Douglas Morgan, made her first big decision as the woman in charge by mutually agreeing to part ways with senior vice president Kevin Minara. Minara had only been in the position for 10 months, and I don't think this has any cause for concern, as it's normal for a new president to want to hand-select their VP. The NFL announced this week that the Pro Bowl will be returning to Las Vegas for a second straight year. The event generated an estimated $54.7 million for the city last year, so I'm sure they're happy to have it back. In a more unfortunate story, former Raiders running back Marshawn Lynch was arrested on suspicion of DUI in Las Vegas on Tuesday. 
The police found Lynch asleep at the wheel of a Shelby GT500 coupe sports car that was in quote-unquote undrivable condition at about 7.30 in the morning, and he was showing signs of impairment. Reports are that Lynch was un also uncooperative with the police and wouldn't submit to a field sobriety test, and the officers in the jail were required to use a restraint chair to force a blood draw to get his blood alcohol content. Lynch's lawyer said that he wasn't pulled over for a DUI, and they're confident his case won't be a DUI under Nevada state law. On a lighter note, there's a new voice of the silver and black as Jason Horowitz has been named to the Raiders radio team as the play-by-play -play voice, replacing Brent Musburger. Horowitz has called Army football games for CBS Sports Network, been in the lead studio anchor for Westwood's 1's NCAA football and basketball coverage, and done various shows on Sirius XM's NFL Radio and ESPNU. He'll of course be joined by Lincoln Kennedy during the regular season. Welcome to the nation, Jason. Alright, time for my favorite part of the show, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, if you'd like your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com via email. First up, wide receiver depth. Who do you think they'll keep and why, especially that last spot? So I think the first two are pretty obvious going to be Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Don't think that needs any explanation. The third guy, I get a feeling it's going to be Matt Collins. Been hearing a lot of good things about him in camp, hearing that him and Carr have a good chemistry already. He's a bigger guy, been really good in the red zone, so I think he can add that to this offense, especially as we know the Raiders' red zone offense has been suspect in the last few years. So I think he's going to definitely make the team. I think he's pretty solidly on the team. Keelan Cole will be kind of that third or fourth guy. Excuse me, I can't talk right now. He's a guy that can make something happen after the catch and win deep a little bit i really like tyron johnson you guys have been hearing me probably talk about him way too much this uh this offseason i really feel like he can start to figure things out looked good in the preseason game although he did have that really bad drop but he was at least getting open and working people on the routes just got to learn how to finish and again he's another guy that is blazing fast and i think can bring something to this receiving core that's a little bit different that they don't have and it does get a little bit hairy because I'm not sure if they're going to keep five or six wide receivers. I have a feeling they'll probably only keep five, which is what they had last year with uh, the old regime. But the reason why I think they'll keep five is, one, they're going to have a fullback, and I think McDaniels might want to keep three or four tight ends, or I know he's going to want to keep three tight ends. Probably going to keep four tight ends just because he does like to run a lot of 22 personnel. So I would think they might only keep five wide receivers. That's where they would subtract. So it kind of gets a little bit dicey here, but I do think Demarcus Robinson probably ends up getting that fifth or sixth spot, maybe even ahead of Johnson, just because he's a little bit more veteran um, and he can block. That's one of the biggest things I think that he's going to add to this this crew that or his competitive advantage is he is a good blocking receiver. I noticed that a little bit in the Hall of Fame game. He made a couple nice blocks when they were going uh, in the red zone, running those pin and pull concepts with the the tackle pulling out around the receivers. Um, so I definitely think he's going to make the team. The guy that I'm going to tell you guys to not sleep on and who could end up sneaking on this roster, I think he'll probably be a practice squad player this year, but at some point I think he could end up on the active roster. It's going to be Justin Hall, undrafted free agent out of Ball State. I watched his tape. I wrote an article on him. It's up on the website if you guys want to go check it out. He had some really good impressive plays, extremely good after the catch, very shifty, can run a little bit. Doesn't have great deep numbers, but I feel like that could have been part of the problem um, with the, the just the quarterback situation and the lack of talent around him at Ball State more than him not being able to win deep, if that makes sense. And he's also a really good returner. He uh, killed it on kick returns, 
Um, not quite as good on punt returns last year, if I remember correctly. Don't have the numbers in front of me, but was still able to do that too. As you guys know, Renfro has been taking a lot of those roles last year. Not ideal to have your number two receiver um, out there on special teams, potentially risking injury and all that stuff. So I definitely think Justin Hall has a really good chance to, uh, to make this team, and I'm going to be rooting for him hard because I liked him, his tape a lot. I would be really, I'd actually be, I'd be surprised if this happened, but I'd actually be really happy if they kept Justin Hall over over Demarcus Robinson, who's kind of a an aging veteran at this point. But yeah, I think the if it's going to be six, I think it'll be Adams, Renfro, Hollins, Cole, Johnson, and Robinson. And if it's five, probably Adams, Renfro, Collins, Cole, and probably Robinson, just because he's more of the veteran and again can block a little bit. Second. Given the O-line growing pains that are still going on, do you see us being more of a running team or a passing team early on? And what are your thoughts on Abdullah? So I battle with this question a little bit on the uh, uh, running team versus the passing team early on. I definitely think just knowing McDaniel's system and how they like to use running backs and how they do like to run the ball, they definitely do like to pound the rock a little bit. And looking at it from the perspective of I have a feeling Alex Leatherwood's probably going to win the right tackle spot. As we know, he's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. And Lester Cotton's kind of the same way. He was much better uh, run blocker than he is in pass protection. Same goes for um, same goes for John Simpson a little bit too. So I do think we will see a good amount of running uh, to start on. But I don't think that means they're going to completely abandon the pass. I think they will still throw it a lot. I think that's obviously part of the reason why you get a guy like Devontae Adams. And part of it too is he'll help out the running game because they're not going to be able to put as many safeties in the box and load it up to, to be able to help on Devontae. But I do think you're going to see a different passing game than maybe what we've seen in the past where it's going to be a lot more quick game. They're going to get the ball out of Derek Carr's hands a lot faster. That was one of the things McDaniels has always prouded himself on, whether the quarterback was Mac Jones, Cam Newton, or Tom Brady. He's going to try and get the ball out of the quarterback's hand and into the playmaker's hands as soon as possible, which is going to help the offensive line. So I definitely think they're going to be going into more of a quick game, probably going to see a lot more screens, which I thought we saw a lot more of in the Hall of Fame game as well, just those were more screens to running backs. But I definitely think we'll see more of that and a little bit more pocket movement or design rollouts and all that good stuff, again, to try and shift the pocket and try and help out that offensive line while they kind of work through their growing pains like you're talking about. But I also don't think they're going to necessarily abandon the pass, but they, they probably will be running the ball a little bit more. Um, I think that's part of the reason, too, why they've invested so heavily in the running back position. One of the guys you bring up is Amir Abdullah. I mean, from everything I've seen, been seeing, Marcus Johnson, he was at training camp a couple uh, couple weeks back. He said he was really impressed with Amir Abdullah and felt like he should be getting more love in the media. Uh, Abdullah looked really good in the, the first preseason game. I believe he scored the first touchdown for the Raiders this year. And I think he's a good back. The problem is when I think about this, this backfield, I mean, Josh Jacobs, unless – we get a surprise trade, which some people seem to want to speculate what we're talking about. I mean, but Josh Jacobs is going to be on the roster. Again, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Brandon Bolden, another McDaniels guy, another Patriots guy, another guy that's good in, good in pass protection. I think he's got a roster spot locked up too. So then we're looking at Samir White, who was a fourth-round pick. I'd be very surprised if they cut Samir White. Again, another guy that looked good in the Hall of Fame game, and I don't know why you would cut him or spend that high of a pick on him and then cut him. So I feel like he's got a roster spot locked up too. So that kind of leaves the Raiders with, are they going to keep four running backs and the fullback and Jacob Johnson? So that's where I think Abdullah could be in some trouble because if you think about it, again, the Raiders are going to keep three running backs. Got to think he's out of the mix too. But if they keep four... Well, then if it comes down between Abdullah and Kenyon Drake, and Kenyon Drake, I think, is the highest paid guy in the, in the meeting room right now. 
Again, not a guy that McDaniels and Ziegler brought in, so maybe they don't have a problem getting, letting Drake loose. But I also feel like Drake would be a pretty good fit in McDaniels' offense. So that's where I think Abdul is kind of in this tough spot where, okay, if they do to keep four, is he going to be the guy? Does he beat out Kenyon Drake, who Kenyon Drake, of all the running backs on last week, kind of looked the worst and is coming off an injury. So I don't think that's unconceivable. But it's hard for me to rationalize right now them cutting Drake in favor of Abdullah, who, again, Drake's the, the highest paid guy in, in the meeting room. So I don't know if Abdullah has a role in this team. I don't know if he ends up making this team. I have liked what I've seen. I think he's solid, at least in pass protection, too. So I think he's got a good chance. It's just I don't know if the math's going to work out in his favor, again, especially if they're going to keep an extra running back and or an extra uh, fullback. So are they going to have five guys in the backfield and then sacrifice a receiver like we were just talking about or how that's going to wake out, work out? But I do like him. I do think he could be a solid player if they do keep him around. I just don't know if the math works in his favor. All right, last question here. With Parker's poor performance and apparent injury, do you, guys, do you think the Raiders need, in all caps, to sign another tackle, and are there any available? So for those of you guys that didn't watch the Hall of Fame game, Brandon Parker struggled, gave up two sacks, and did not look great in any of them. And then uh, earlier this week, there was a he apparently suffered an injury, been held out of practice, rumor floating around that he was going to get put on IR. That never came to fruition, so as of right now, he's still in the mix. Um, do I think the Raiders need to sign another tackle, and are they available? Do I think they need to? No. Should they? Absolutely. I think that, I mean, like we were just talking about, Brandon Parker's not not the long-term solution, or certainly not the long-term solution, maybe not the solution this year. Alex Leatherwood, while he can be a long-term solution, again, we don't know if he will be. Um, obviously struggled as a rookie and wasn't you know, exactly a standout in the Hall of Fame game, wasn't bad or anything per se, but hasn't really been able to take control of that position like you'd hope a first-round pick. So I think they should. I think they really should try and bring in, again, anyone else that can maybe come and compete because right now I don't know if they have anyone. And as far as who's available, I mean, the best one that I can think of um, just based on what I've seen is, is Daryl Williams, who is a guy that, I, to be honest with you guys, I'm not a big fan of, but I do will say he's better than what they have on the roster right now, who could come in and, and at least compete for the starting job and probably even win it. Probably would be he'd probably walk in as the favorite to be the starter, honestly, if they if they did sign him right now. So I think he could be a, a positive addition. Um, part of the problem though is I think it was Dwayne Brown. I can't remember what team he signed for recently, but he literally signed, you know, a day or two ago and it was for like eleven million dollars a year. Riley Reef, who was another guy that was on the market, um, I believe it was Riley Reef who recently got signed. He also signed like another twelve million dollar deal. So like Vic Tafer, the Athletic pointed out, the discount that you would normally think you would get from signing a veteran um, right now just isn't there. And I don't know if they really don't want to eat up this cap space. They want some of it to save and carry over for next year. But I don't think they they might have their they don't have the price tag they're looking for and kind of the, the Patriot way and the way that. I think they've been operating this offseason is even though we have a need, we're not going to overspend and we're not going to extend our resources too much to just reach and get a player that's in that is for a need. So I think that's part of it. It's just the market hasn't come down. The market is still in the favor of the players right now. But at the same token, as I'm sure you're probably thinking, who cares about the money? Let's get uh, get somebody in there that can keep Derek Carr upright. So I would still lean towards doing it, even if it is, you know, 
a $10 million a year, whatever it might be. They have about $20 million in cap space, so they still have plenty of room to carry over. I'd still like to see them bring in someone that can at least compete for that job and bring some stability to it. I just don't know if they will, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Been wrong before, and who knows? Maybe if we have another uh, rough week this Sunday against um, against the Vikings, then uh, things will change and more push will come to shove, and the Raiders will get a deal, deal done with one of these guys. That'll do it for this week's episode. As a reminder, and a reminder that you hopefully don't need, the Raiders will have a pre- another preseason bout on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings at 125 PST, and the game will be aired on NFL Network. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.